0: This is the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Pat Donovan. We are recording late night on April 12th, 2017. With me as always is Nick Legatino.
1: What's up, guys?
0: We are into week two of the baseball and fantasy baseball season. We've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We've got some news and notes. We're going to be looking at... Uh, some guys that are we're going to consider either diamonds in the rough or fool's gold. Um, some guys that you've been able to pick up off the waiver wire or you were able to draft late in your drafts. Um, we're also going to review the DFS slate for the weekend. We're going to identify some guys that we like uh, for Saturday and Sunday. And we're also going to identify some buy low targets for you guys tonight. Um And we're also going to have a segment where we identify something that we think we're definitely right about this early in the season and something we definitely think we're wrong about this early in the season. All right, so without any further ado, let's move to the news and notes. Rough news this weekend for Gary Sanchez. Owners uh, suffered a bicep strain, put on the 10-day DL. Joe Girardi said that he expects Sanchez to be out about a month. Who do you like as a potential replacement for Sanchez?
1: Um, I kind of like Travis Darno right now. He's only 7% owned. And as long as he's healthy and getting the time, he'll produce. I mean, we've both been fans of his. And up until today, he's got a 937 OPS. So I think he'll fill in nicely, and he won't hurt you in any particular way with average or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I worry a little bit about Darno with the playing time. Um, They don't really like him that much defensively behind the plate because he seems to be very easy to run on. So I don't know that he's going to get the volume of at-bats you would like. Uh, Vote and weeders are two guys that immediately jump out to me that may be available in 12-team leagues. Uh, If those guys aren't available, uh, I'm a Sanchez owner, so I wrote a small piece on Monday about Jason Castro and James McCann. Um, as deeper guys that you could look at uh, beyond, you know, the Francisco Zavelli types. Um, Both have shown some gains in spring training, and they've carried over into the regular season. Uh, I picked up Castro personally. He's got nine walks to two strikeouts this early in the season, Um, and he posted similar numbers in spring training. He's obviously seeing the ball well. Maybe it can translate into a hot month. Maybe it can translate into something more, or, or maybe it's nothing. I mean, we don't know it this early in the season. But at minimum, he's not striking out, and he's walking. So he's obviously identifying the ball well at the plate. Um, McCann has seen an increase in his power um, early in the season, and he had some, I think he had four homers in spring training as well. Uh, he's 26, so it is possible that he's taking a step forward offensively. Those are just two deeper guys that I, I, you might want to take a shot on as opposed to just taking, like I said, Cervelli, who's going to give you nothing but good OBP, and that's pretty much it. Um, Rich Hill was placed onto the 10-day DL with a blister. Um, There's a chance he could be back Sunday, right, Nick? I know that you own him. I don't own him anywhere, so I haven't followed
1: extremely closely. (laughs) This blister is back. I can't believe it. It's so annoying. Uh, We went through it last year. I owned him last year. Anybody who owned him dealt with possibly the most annoying injury of all time. Uh, He had it. He came back maybe 14 days after he had it. It started bleeding when he was on the mound. Then he missed a month. It was like the most insane. It was like the blob. The blob was just chasing Rich Hill around. Um, But I'm not really panicked because this is what you pay for when you draft Rich Hill. I mean, you're expecting it. So what did you expect? Him not to get hurt? And he is playing long toss already. He's throwing the ball around. I think he will pitch this weekend. And yeah, I'm not panicked at all. This is what you paid for. He is what you yeah, thought
0: he absolutely. is. <laughs> absolutely. You, you have to bake in the time with Rich Hill. I mean, really, hopefully you paid for about 120 innings. And, um, you know, it's good news that they're at least considering him for this weekend. So yeah. if not this weekend, then maybe next week. Um, you know, it sucks that this is something that has recurred. And this is something that really affected him in the second half last year. So you hope it doesn't affect him um, like it did last year. But, you know, this is this is what you signed up for. Yeah. So it is what it is. Another guy that this is what you signed up for, Garrett Richards, um, has bicep nerve irritation. We were talking about him last week on the podcast, and it happened as we were <laughs> yeah, um, talking about him. Yeah. Uh, he's expected to miss his next turn. Uh, as of right now, there is no timetable. Um In my opinion, there's not really much you can do with him. I mean, but if he comes off the DL and throws two good games, are you trying to bail?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I have right in front of me. I I don't think you'll be able to get anything for Riches, even if he surpasses two good starts. Even if he goes strong for two to three months, people are still going to be scared. He's just got that stigma right now. Um, So I wouldn't, if I have Richards, I would not include him in any trade scenarios. I would stick him on my DL. I would say to myself, you know what, hopefully he's healthy in August, September, and he's going to be fine in the playoffs and fine down the stretch. so yeah, I'm holding him because his ceiling outweighs any possible return in a trade right now. Like, what are you really gonna get for him, Pablo Sandoval? Like, what, what kind of offers do you get? No,
0: no. I I, I I was saying like if you if he comes off the DL and has two 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 yeah. good starts, if you could, would move you him.
1: sell? No, I, w- I still wouldn't sell. I would hold on to him. I, I don't. No, think I don't
0: do think I problem. would either because I think I think I agree with you. I think the discount at this point is going to be so heavy that it's worth the attempt at the return. And for what it's worth, I mean they've, the news has been scarce, but it hasn't been negative. Um, you know, they've by all indications, this is very much precautionary. Um, so I'm expecting that Richards is going to be able to pitch, uh, again soon and should be able to pitch in accordance with what he did this spring and what he did early this season. So, you know, I, I think that you hold on to Richards and you know, you just take what he gives you because I don't think any return is going to equal what he could give you. Okay. Jackie Bradley uh, has ended up on the DL after running into a wall. Uh, he's dealing with a knee sprain and has been placed on the disabled list. I don't think there's much to say there. Um, you know, outfield, this is a plenty grab, you know, the next guy and plug and play. Uh, Bradley is a guy that I liked in the preseason um, in spring training, but you know, this is part of the risk when you roll with a defense first uh, outfielder, especially when they play center. I mean, they uh, they put their bodies out there on the line, so they're prone to getting hurt. Uh, Trey Turner is dealing with a hamstring injury, he's on the 10 day DL. They are claiming it's minor. I do not <laughs> know how. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I do not know how, you know, how. I. I do not know how, how serious it, it is or how serious that statement is. Uh, you know, I mean, Turner's a guy that relies on his legs for a lot of his value. I mean, that's really where a lot of it comes from. Uh, you know, he's, some people were buying him as a potential 15, 20-ohm or bat. Maybe he can do that. Maybe he can't. But the one thing we know that he can do is steal bases. And whenever you have a hamstring injury from a speed guy, that's not so good. Nick, do you have any thoughts on Turner?
1: Nah, the hamstring really hurts speedster's value. Right now, you just got to hold on to him. You can't sell him and just hope he comes back 100% and can run full speed. Or okay. else, really, his value is just you know garbage.
0: Yeah, well, we tried to warn everybody. And for those of <laughs> you that didn't listen, you got what you deserved. Uh, yeah. Call column- <laughs> me <laughs> Shut down with an elbow impingement. He's out until at least June, so we're going to get a good look at Joe Musgrove and Charlie Morton, or at least it looks that way. Uh, who are you more ex- more excited to see?
1: Uh, definitely Musgrove. Uh, I'm not too interested in Charlie Morton, but uh, you know, I really like Musgrove. I wish he had a bit more velo, but the mix is really nice. He he reminds me a lot of Tanaka. Uh, if you take a look at both guys, like in their advanced stats, they're very 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 similar. Uh, but, you know, Both guys, the top three pitchers, fastball, slider, sinker, uh, both have almost an identical velocity. They have very similar K and walk projections. So I'm really interested to see what Musgrove could do. I don't know if he's going to be great this year, but I think he's going to grow into a really good pitcher because he has such an extensive pitch mix. Um, so I, I, I really like Musgrove. And he has great control.
0: Yeah, I think I'm a little higher on Morton than you, but I agree that Musgrove is the answer here. Uh, I, I like Musgrove because he's got, you know, plus command. That's that's the number one thing that he's got. I mean, he knows how to command his fastball. And I don't think we've seen the full extent of his arsenal yet. Uh, I think he's been a little shy to use certain pitches. I think once he opens it up a little bit more um, and uses more of his secondary pitches more often, he's going to see his K rate rise. The walk rate should pretty much always be good, you know, low twos. And if he can get up to eight Ks per nine, he can be a very, very good pitcher. Um, And I expect him to. I think he will achieve that. You know, if he's pitching the rest of the season, I would expect him to reach that level before the end of it. Um, Adrian Beltrade did not come off the DL when when anticipated. In fact, he has suffered a setback. Um, What do you think about getting an extended look at Joey
1: Gallo? Uh, listen, Gallo is going to be frustrating to own, and if you're in need of power, he's fine. If you don't desperately need the power, then I would say stay away because he's going to hurt you in average. So uh, not my type of player, but it's really based on team composition.
0: I don't know if frustrating is the word I would use because, I mean, it's not like you're going to be relying on gallo at this point i mean he may be available on waiver wires he might have been one of your last picks in the draft and he's a lefty so maybe a platoon him against righties that cuts down a little bit on the k risk and i don't know to me he said to me it sounds like he's gonna be a lot of fun to own because he's every single time he comes up you're gonna be like you could hit a bomb yeah true you know those guys are fun so um I'm, I'm excited to see him get an extended look. I, I do do note that um, I, I don't know exactly what he did tonight, but I do know that over the last three or four games, the Ks uh, have come down. He's only struck out three times in four games, which is pretty good for a guy that's got a K rate north of 35%, or at least is expected to have a K rate north of 35%. That's all he has to do is get down to near 30, and then yeah. he's Chris Davis with the C. Um, Okay, Sam Dyson uh, lasted another week, but he had a pretty epic meltdown last night and has been removed from the role, at least temporarily in Texas. Um, They have said that they are going to go to a committee approach. Matt Bush has an injection in his shoulder. He's expected back on Friday. What do you make of this?
1: Well, I think... That Matt Bush can take this job and run away with it. He's been really good uh, so far. You know, last season he was excellent. I don't have the stats in front of me, in front of me but I'm pretty sure he had a sub one whip um, and a sub two ERA, and he was king, guys. So I, I've always said that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. My dog is very excited about. Yeah, Matt we've Bush. got we've
0: got a special guest tonight. <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, I, I think Matt Bush will get the job and he'll run away with it.
0: I, I don't agree. I, I think Jeffries is going to get the first crack at it. You know, they've got it. They're actually in a safe situation as we speak right now, um, in the top of the seventh, they're up six, three. So there's a chance we're going to get a look at Jeffries. Um, and being that he's really the only guy that's left in that pen uh, with Bush out and Dyson out of the role. He's going to get the opportunity, and th- that's just the way these things tend to work. You know, once one guy gets the opportunity and he converts, he gets the next one, and then he gets the next one. Um, so I, I think that Jeffries is going to get the first op, and if he's successful, he'll keep it. And I do worry about Bush's shoulder injury. Uh, you know, that's not good, especially for a power pitcher. So I, I think that's something to watch. And they like him in that role. They like him in the role where he's the setup guy and the guy that can go multiple innings because he's got the best stuff in the bullpen. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think Jeffries is the guy, I, but I, but overall, I think it's probably a situation to avoid until there's a little more clarity. Um, G Gomez was also removed from the closer role. Joaquin Benoit was named as the closer. I just want to say I was completely correct about this. So was I. So, Nick, no, you were not. What do you, you mean? Hector Ner- no, You said Hector oh. Neris was going to get the role, and oh, well. Joaquin Benoit got it.
1: Okay, no, I I'm was correct, though, that Gmar Gomez would lose the job within the first month of
0: – Oh, yeah, you and everybody else on the planet said that.
1: True. Um, but, yeah, no, listen, uh, and Joaquin Benoit will be a serviceable closer. He's got the experience – He's been pretty good the last couple of years, um, but I do worry about the whip. I do worry about the walks. If he and, and the leash is not long right now. I know that you think that, you know, the Phillies are trying to keep the price low on on Neris, but I, I, I've said it again and again. I think this is a team that is going to win games. They have a really nice rotation, and I think they have an extremely underrated lineup one through nine. So. You know, I think at some point management is gonna say, you know what, let's let's see what we could do, roll out the best we can, and you know maybe we could take a crack at this thing. And uh, Neris is by far the best reliever. I mean, you've seen him this year so far in limited action, and what he did last year, he would take that role and, and he would take that closer role and absolutely run with it. So I, I think it's still a matter of time before he gets it. But I do think that Benoit will have some hiccups. Uh, I think we just. I think, think we
0: ultimately, I think ultimately, we just ag- disagree on where the Phillies are. Because um, I agree with you. I mean, I think naris is the most talented reliever in that pen. I wouldn't dispute that. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that the Phillies are comfortable with where naris is. He's a guy that they have control over. I think until 2021. I looked it up the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean. He's pre-ARB right now. So if he starts accumulating saves now and accumulates them in large totals, he's going to get very, very expensive very, very quickly. And that's right in the heart of their um, you know, competitive window. So I don't think they want to be paying a reliever that kind of money when they should be going out and getting bats or arms to supplement their, um, their young pitching staff that yeah. we like so much. Okay, well, I mean, we w- ultimately, we will see. And Nieschek yeah. is there, too. And I still think that Neshek is a guy that they could turn to if Benoit was to fail. I-, yeah. I haven't heard his name at all outside of you know my own speculation. But I think he's a quality reliever, too, that's got a lot of experience. Um, so I don't think the job automatically goes to Naris, even if Benoit fails.
1: You're right. And, but like I said before the season started, the other thing is, worst case scenario, Naris doesn't get the job, and he still strikes out 100-plus guys. You know, so he's yeah. a service. He still he'll still, you know, serve a role on your team. Uh, I, I, I when I drafted him, I, I really didn't even draft him, keeping in mind that he may get to close the closer role. It was based on the fact that I look at him like a poor man's Andrew Miller. I, that's how I've, you know, talked about him all offseason.
0: I also think I also think there's a. I also think there's a good chance he ultimately gets the role because whoever they put into it, they trade away. Yeah. So, I mean, it might be by the deadline, but Neris probably will end up with the job before the year is out. I think we can both agree on that.
1: Yeah, but, um, one, one quick question before we move on. I don't want to spend too much time, sure. but who would you rather have right now in a vacuum? Just out of curiosity, Brock or Neris?
0: Neris, because he's got more volatility behind him or in front of him or whatever you want to say. Um his situation is more volatile. With Brock, you have to have an injury. With Nerys, you could see a path to the job with failure. Okay. Britain's got probably one of the longest leashes of any closer. Like he, he's probably one of those guys that would get like legitimately three weeks of bad pitching before they would remove them.
1: Yeah, I was just curious. Cause I feel like Brock kind of doesn't get any, doesn't get much respect. You know where he's he's just like awesome.
0: Oh, I agree. I mean, them. you know, in a vacuum, in terms of skills, they're probably about equals okay all right Um, okay so let's move to a segment that we're going to call diamonds in the rough or fool's gold we're going to take a look at some guys that are off to hot starts that um have low ownership and we will let you know whether we believe that they are for real or if they're fake so our first up is kendall graveman nick what do you think about kendall graveman
1: I'm gonna list him as a diamond in the rough, but only if he throws another pitch. Um, I have always, <laughs> yeah, I've I've always had him on my ra- my radar, especially this season. Uh, his issue has been for me is can the K's outweigh the blow up starts, and the answer has been no, they can't. You know, just five, just just six K per nine in 2015, five point two three in 2016. Uh, but now it's way up to 8.31 and yes it's only three starts but the swinging strike is almost 11 percent so the k-rate may stick around uh but like i said before like he's tony singraniing himself right now you can't throw one pitch and be successful so uh, he, he has thrown other pitches in the past he's just basically junked everything this year so i, I like him diamond in the rough Okay, I've got
0: him as a diamond in the rough as well. Yeah, he's another guy I wrote about on Monday. Um, I disagree with you that he needs another pitch. Pure sinker guys have worked before. Um, Brandon Webb comes immediately to mind. Uh, and the key is that the sinker has to not only generate a uh, heavy volume of ground balls, which Graveman does, but it also has to generate swings and misses so you can get the strikeouts. Um, and that's, what's been missing from his sinker. And that's what he's gained this year. Um, he's gained it because the velocity has taken another bump up from 2016. Um, so this, and, and the pitch does a little something different each time. in, in that sense, it's kind of like, um, almost what Cologne does, uh, throws it towards the center of the zone and lets it go with whatever direction it's going to go in almost, almost like a knuckleball, um. So uh, if an SP4 counts as diamond in the rough, which I think it does, that's where I have Graveman now. I, I think that he's capable of being a four starter uh, in a 12-team mixed league. So mm-hmm. I'm high on him.
1: Yeah, that's, re- that's really high in my opinion.
0: Yep. Okay, uh, a couple of Diamondbacks. Uh, Chris Owings and Brandon Drury. Where do you stand on them?
1: Uh, Owings, I'm going to say, is fool's gold if you're expecting you know, a big breakout. I- I've always liked Owings, but I like him as a serviceable second baseman, a guy who can get you NCRT-S stats for little to no investment. Uh, if you're expecting the 333 average to stick, uh, you know, I think you're bugging. Uh, he's got a 417 Babbitt. The key rate is eh. The lineup is humming right now, so the canning stats should be there, but... I, I do like Owings, but I just don't like him that much. Like, I, if you punt the position, he, he he won't hurt you at all in average and all that other good stuff. Drury's your boy, so you could take it away on Drury.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think my analysis is going to be very similar on both these guys. Um, I like them as bench pieces or as, like, a middle infielder in deeper leagues, but Owings is – you know, what's his upside? Maybe 8 to 10 homers, 25 yeah. to 30 skills, 270. And Ciarte. Yeah, uh, well, that's a little better than Ciarte. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good player, but it's not a fantastic player. And what he would really need is a role at the top of the lineup, and he only has that against lefties as opposed to righties. So um, I struggle to see where his production um, – you know, takes that big leap forward uh, that makes him more than just a very useful bench piece. And I feel the same way about Drury. Uh, both these guys are, are Babbitt dependent. Um, they're both guys that have excelled early in the season based upon a um, high amount of at ball luck. Like you said, that offense is humming. So the counting stats are there, but they're both towards the bottom of the lineup. And I was, I was hoping that Drury would show a little bit more power um, this year. And that hasn't shown itself yet. Now, granted, it's only been 10 days, maybe it comes. Um, but he still looks to me like he's swinging for contact and for doubles power as opposed to trying to hit for more power and taking himself from a guy that's going to hit 290 and 15 homers to a guy that's going to hit 270 and 20. Uh, and that was the step I was hoping that he would take. And um, so I have both these guys as fool's gold if you're looking at them as potential starting pieces. Uh, yeah. I think they're useful bench assets, but if somebody's going to give you a starting caliber player for them, I would sell them. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, Steven Souza is our next one, uh, or Souza, depending on you know who you talk to. Uh or Nick you, oh, I don't think that's the way you say it. Okay. I think you're <laughs> the only person that says it that way, much like Trey O'Turner. Um, yeah. So, this has been a guy that's long caught your fancy, so why don't you uh, lead us off?
1: Yeah, sure. So I have I have him listed as Diamond in the Rough. I've always liked uh, the power-speed combo in Sweezer, uh, but his downside has been the case. But suddenly, he's striking out only 9% of the time and walking 18.2% of the time, uh, which is crazy. Now, do I think these numbers are going to stick? No way in hell. No way in hell. No chance. No chance. That's what he's got. Um, But it seems like his approach is a little different this year. He looks more patient. He's not falling behind in counts at all. He's getting on base. If he gets on base, he's going to steal 20. The guy is very fast, and he's a very good base stealer. And we all know he has power. You can't deny it. And you know, even in limited seasons, he's gotten close to 20 year after year. So I like Suiza. You do have to worry about injury with him. He gets dinged up now and then, but I, I like the upside. It's a guy to stash, and as long as he doesn't go back up to like 30% carry, which it looks like he might not, he could be a real find.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with your analysis. He's um, a player that appears to have made some adjustments. I'm not expecting him to strike out, you know, in this – a single digit percentile. But if he's below 30%, if he can get himself to like a 25% um, clip, we're talking about a guy that could go 25, 15 and hit 265. Um, And on top of that, he's playing every day at this point and he's leading off against lefties and he's hitting in the heart of the lineup against righties. So, you know, he's going to be a pretty good run producer in a pretty good lineup playing every day as long as he's healthy. And you mentioned the health risk, but, I mean, this guy is free. He's free dollars. You can go yep. out and get him uh, for the last player on your roster and just stash him and see if this is for real, give it a couple of weeks, and then plug him in. And then if he gets hurt, I mean, your the, your cost to acquire him, your sunk cost is, is zero because all it was was a waiver wire pickup. So, yeah, I have him as a diamond in the rough as well. Um, I I think there's something there. Yeah. This is one we're going to disagree on um, as per a conversation Uh, Mm off-air. Mark Reynolds. So why don't you tell us what you think of him, and then I will uh, rebut.
1: Yeah, so I have him as a big-time diamond in the rough. Um, (laughs) It's Mark Reynolds who – I mean, I've never really been interested in at all, but suddenly I'm just kind of like, I don't know. He looks good. The K rate has gotten progressively better year to year, and we know he has power. Right now he's hitting 323, and he's got a 316 Babbitt. Now, I don't think he's going to continue to hit 323, but last year he finished. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure 285 was the number. Um, So... Mark Reynolds with a healthy average could be, like, really good. Um, you know, he's still crushing the ball. He's got a 44% forty-four percent hard contact rate, and he already has four homers on the season. After looking at all this, when I was doing my research, I'm like, I have to get Mark Reynolds right now. I went on waiver wires. I sent out trades. I'm trying to acquire him. I'm guessing Pat's going to have an issue with his ground ball rate, but – I like Mark Reynolds, regardless.
0: I'm not terribly worried about batted ball data at this point because it's it's so early that it's not sticky enough. Um, you know, one or two fly balls can dramatically shift your ground ball to fly ball percentage. So no, I'm not terribly concerned with that. Here's a couple of things that I do have an issue with with Reynolds. Number one is. Um, I think his averages or his his average last year was somewhat inflated by the fact that um, he was mostly platooned. Um, So I I don't know how real the 282 is. Um, Granted, the K rate has come down, uh, but that could also be a uh, platoon situation where he's facing the stronger side or, or in his case, the weaker side. Um, as a righty against a left-handed pitcher. This year, my issue is strictly playing time. I, I don't know that he's going to get the at-bats once he, once Ian he Desmond is back. Um, you know, I think Desmond plays first. Para has gotten off to a good start, and he's a guy I think is going to keep his playing time. And then eventually, we're going to see David Dahl again. So not only do you have the issue with the outfield, but you're going to have an issue with the infield. Um, and we know Mark Reynolds is not capable of playing anyplace else except for first base. So it's just, there's a lot of mouse to feed. So even if he's a productive player over the next, you know, two, three, four weeks, that's great, but it's going to fall off. And then you also have the course issue, which is, you know, Rockies historically tend to hit very good in cores and then not so great on the road. Um, so, no, I, I think Reynolds is fool's gold, um, and I think the gains that he, he's made are, are due to uh, platoon situations. Well, um, I want I want to say the gains that he's made the gains that he made last year were due to the platoon situation.
1: But he but but you would agree that then he would be a very good DFS player because of the the pop and the platoon. And when he – and and the price.
0: As long as you – if he is facing a lefty in Colorado and you know he's in the lineup, yes. Money. He's an excellent DFS play.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: But Rockies tend to be very, very inflated when they're at home. So maybe not. <laughs> it depends. I have to see what the price is.
1: Yeah, no. Reynolds will be cheap 100%.
0: Okay. All right. Ryan Zimmerman, uh, another first baseman. Uh, I'll, I'll take this one first. I'm, I'm sort of split on uh, Zimmerman. I I like the noise about the swing changes. Um, You know, the, the idea that he's trying to generate more lift Um, and the early results would indicate that he's been successful, but the battle ball data really doesn't support it just yet. I mean, he's still hitting the same amount of ground balls compared to fly balls that he was last year. Again, could be just small data, small sample, and it's going to swing further in the fly ball direction as the season goes along. Um, so, and he's also he's also increased his K rate. Uh, he's up over thirty percent currently. So I think that's a little concerning. I'm not buying him yet. I have no issue with grabbing him and riding the hot streak, but I'm not buying him as. Uh, what he's doing right now is going to sustain in any form whatsoever and you also have very very real health questions about zimmerman i mean he's a guy that um you know hasn't played a full season in quite some time
1: so fool's gold for
0: you yes i have him as fool's gold
1: yeah i have miss fool's gold as well the last time he's and the, the main thing was the last thing you touched on which is the health the last time he's played a 100- hundred over 130 games was 2013. So the key here is injuries. Uh, if he stays healthy, he'll be fine. I- I've always liked Zimmerman. He doesn't strike out much. He's got power. He hits for good average. He's in a very very good lineup, but he's got an extremely long injury history. And if you're hoping for 130 more plus, I think that's not very likely. But he can be had very very cheap right now, and. If, if you want to, you know, if if you're in need of a little power and you could withstand the risk, then go for it.
0: Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with riding the streak and riding him while he's healthy. But once he, you know, I'm not even. I I just I don't think that this is going to last too long.
1: I I don't think the
0: data supports it.
1: And if it does, if he's if he's money. For the first month and a half, two months, you sell his ass. Don't even yeah, think
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yes. If you can find somebody that will buy him.
1: Yes. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> sell. Many more go
0: is our next one. This is a guy that you liked in the uh, in, in, in draft season, Nick. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him?
1: Yeah, definite diamond in the rough. I, I, I really like Margot um, a lot. And the San Diego Padres, they're scoring some runs right now. Will Myers – Yeah, the
0: offense is pretty good.
1: It looks – I mean, well, no, the offense is doing good. I wouldn't say the offense is pretty good. They're, they're doing good. There's a difference. Um, but Will Myers looks like he's the real deal guy. love that he just looks amazing right now. Uh, but Margot, this kid just looks awesome right now. He doesn't strike out at all. Uh, he hit for good average in double AA and triple A, and it seems to be carrying over in the majors the speed is good. The power is mediocre. But uh, – and, and, and I could see him finishing the year with 12 home runs between 15 and 25 stolen bases and a 285-ish, a 285-ish average. But the power is something to watch. I think he's got some upside here, right? Now he's got a 38% hard contact rate. And if you've watched him at all, he's really been crushing the ball. But it's been mostly for extra bases. I, I think we could see a nice little bump in his power. I think what we have here is a a guy who you need to scoop up more so in Dynasty because his future, he can be a major, major 2020 guy with good average. But as of right now, I like him for, like I said before, 12 home runs between 15 and 25 stolen bases and a, and a good average. I love Margot.
0: Yeah, he's been fantastic in the early going. It's just a little backwards from what we expected in terms of power and speed. Um, I think the power streak is just that. I think it's just a random outburst of power. I I don't expect him to hit, you know, in his best case scenario, he was maybe like a 13 homer guy this year. Uh, So, I mean, I don't think he's anything more than a 10 homer guy. Um, I'm a little concerned he's hitting the ball in the air more than the the ground to take advantage of his speed, but – he's, you know, that's, again, that could be small sample size noise. Uh, I still think he's a buy. I think he's a diamond in the rough, but not for the reason that most would expect looking looking at his numbers. And as Nick mentioned, you know, he's hitting leadoff. That lineup is going good right now, and there are enough pieces there to support him um, if it starts to go bad. Because really where it would start to go bad is in the – Back end of the lineup. I mean, he would still be hitting in front of Myers. He was still being hit in front of Renfro. Um, Solarte has been good. So I, I think that the impact would come in the run totals of those guys, not in more ghost run
1: totals. Uh, Pat, before we move on, because we've been moving pretty fast, I have a quick question. Because mm-hmm. We're not going to touch on him again. I just want to bring him up. So Will Myers right now, mm-hmm. guy that I absolutely love. You were kind of like lukewarm on him, correct?
0: Yeah, I was I was lukewarm on him because I don't think that his injury history was properly accounted for in his profile.
1: What, what do you think about him right now? What are your feelings on him? I still have the same
0: feelings that I did in the okay. um, pre-draft process. I, I think you, I think he's ahead. a guy that's going to pace to about twenty 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 five twenty in terms of power and speed with like a 265, 270 average. But I think he's going to miss about 30 games.
1: Okay. I was just curious to see if your opinion changed at all because he's looked, you know, amazing.
0: No, because I've seen him be very, very hot before, and I've seen him be very, very cold before. I only need to go back a calendar year to look at it.
1: Yeah, I also feel like he's just still young and he's just progressing into a superstar. That's how I feel. I'm looking at it, but I was just curious. All right. So if
0: we're redrafting
1: today, Oh my God. Straight redraft. Oh, I'm taking him. Are you taking him in round three? I'm taking him like early round three, late round two. Okay. I love him.
0: All right. Well, there you go. That's where you are on him. Yeah. Okay. Last, uh, last one, Brandon Finnegan. I'll start with this one because this is a guy that I happen to like a lot, and I've always had a thing for. Yep. Um, much like uh, Brendan Drury and Chris Owings. Every single time I say those two, I, I always have to pause because I I'm, I'm always want to combine them and call him Chris Drury. But that's a hockey thing, so you know Nick wouldn't get that.
1: No, not at all.
0: No, right over my head. Uh, <laughs> all right. <Good. laughs> All right, so Finnegan's got above-average velo for a lefty. He's got four pitches from the left side. He's got a four-seam, two-seam slider and a change. And then change is something he picked up on last year, late last year, and his results really started to improve. He's a National League pitcher. He's got pedigree. These are all things that, that I really look for and I like. We've got a start that was very, very good, which was his first one against the Phillies and we've got a start that was very, very bad, which was his latest one against the Pirates. Um, he's, he's sort of like Liriano in that the control is going to be something that's going to be an issue um, start to start. You never know when he's going to walk four or five guys. Um, I'm holding steady with him, though. Pittsburgh is a tough matchup for a lefty. They've got a lot of disciplined hitters there. So if you know if he's not getting the calls, if he's nibbling around the zone... Uh, he's going to walk guys against Pittsburgh. So I can live with that. I would spot start him for now, but I certainly wouldn't drop him. I think he's going to be a diamond in the same way that Graveman is. I think he's an SP four or five, and I think he's just got higher highs and lower lows than Graveman. So maybe he's a better guy in Roto than head to head, but I think there's significant upside there, and, and I'm willing to take the pain that might come with it in order to enjoy the upside when it comes.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think he's total fool's gold. He's just not my type of pitcher. He just walks too many guys for my liking. And I think you're right that he's definitely better in Roto because head-to-head, um, if he's got just one start for the week, let's just say, and it's a bad start, his bad starts could get really, really ugly because of how many guys he puts on base due to walks. Uh, and yeah, he way. got
0: lucky the other night.
1: Yeah, so um I'm not really a big fan. If you're in a to Walk League, and Pat's probably going to chime in and say, nobody does Kato Walk Leagues, Nick. Nobody. Uh, yes, but, you're right. Nobody does Kato Walk Leagues. I know, but I do like that stat. And just I, I just think if you are in a to Walk League, the one person out there, according to Pat, um, it, he he also takes a step back as well. So I'm not really a big fan at all unless I see major evidence of an improve, of improved command and control.
0: Yeah, see, I don't think the command is an issue. I think the control is an issue. And that's kind of funny because that's kind of backwards. Okay. Um, you know, like I, I think that he's a guy that kind of nibbles a bit. and Maybe maybe doesn't need to nibble as much. You know, kind of like Robbie Ray or what you were saying about Robbie Ray last night.
1: Oh, God, please. A little bit like that. Don't even get me started on Robbie Ray right now. <laughs> okay. This frigging guy.
0: All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some buy low targets for you guys. Um, I'll I'll kick this one off since Nick needs to recover from me bringing up Robbie Ray. <laughs> um, my first one is Kent Ameda. Um He's his V low is steady. He's King over eight per nine. The walk rate is perfectly fine. It's below three. I think it's at like two seven. Um, He's simply given up homers in his two starts and allowed guys that have gotten on to score. Um, I think the BABIP will come down. It's 319 right now. I think it was 280-something last year. And uh, the home run rate is completely out of control compared to where it was last year, but that's the kind of thing you get when you're looking at small samples. I think people are a little panicked because he was batting in San Diego, but as we mentioned, the San Diego offense is going good right now. Um, you know, bad teams go through hot stretches. Uh, you know, we're seeing it in San Diego. We're seeing it with Cincinnati. Um, they, those teams have offensive talent that when they're hot can do some damage, even against very, very good pitchers. So I'm still very interested in Meta. I would offer, um, I don't know, you know, we talked about Dallas Keuchel last week and me liking him a lot, but I would definitely offer Keuchel for Mader. Yeah,
1: I that's agree. A name. And, that's a, and, that's a, and that's a great offer right now because Keuchel's off to a good start. And if I had a bet on one of them finishing the, the season you know, in the green, I, w- I would pick Mader as well. Uh, one thing you didn't mention is the, he had two starts this year. The last start was against Colorado, in Colorado. So we can all expect, you know... Yeah bad bad things from that as we've seen where that's hard. a good catch and all the best pitchers in baseball uh, so I love Meta. great low right now coming off a really good first year people could be scared about a sophomore slump I think that Keuchel scenario is like the best trade offer you could have even said because I think the guy that owns Meta is making that trade like a lot of, like there, there might be some guys just panicking right now like I like that
0: Okay, why don't you give us your first one, and I'll tell you if I like that.
1: All right, I like that. Uh, I my like first, that. my first buy low uh, is Todd Frazier, um, and look, uh, he's off to a slow start. The average is not there, but what did you? I'm sorry, this dog is going crazy right now. Hold on, one that's second.
0: okay. It's it's <laughs> nice and low. Just just keep all right. going.
1: All right, all right, I'm gonna go. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I love Frazier as a buy low. I mean, what did you really expect when you when you drafted him? You expected the low average. You expected these slumps. It, it, it sucks owning him. He's he is extremely frustrating. He he hits infield fly balls like a madman. Um and I think he's a much better roto guy than head to head. But if you own him in head to head, if you're in a head-to-head league, doesn't matter regardless buy him low. He's one of the rare guys in this league who could hit 30 plus and steal 10 plus. Um, You know, he's at a good position in third base. Not many third basemen out there can steal bases. He has eligibility in the outfield. And, you know what? This lineup really isn't that bad. A lot of people kind of looked at Chicago like, oh my God, this team is, you know, rebuilding, rebuilding. But they still have some really good players there. Uh, You know, in Jose Abreu, and let's see what Tim Anderson could do. And Melky Cabrera has been. Yeah, he's not an amazing player, but he's very consistent, and he gets on base consistently. So Let me
0: just let me just back you up for a second. Uh, I don't think he has eligibility in the outfield. Oh, he doesn't? I, I think, I think he he's – he used to have it. Oh, he
1: lost it? I don't think he
0: has it. Yeah, I think he lost it. Okay. He's got first base and third base right now, I think.
1: Okay. Um, Another thing with Todd Frazier is he's been either a really good first-half player or a really good second-half player his entire career. So he could be off to a bad start. He could struggle the whole first half and absolutely go bananas in the second half. But go out and buy him. He's not going to have a bad year. A guy I like to trade for him, Pat's probably going to disagree with me on this. But Mike Mustakis off to a really good start. Um, and I'm not a big fan of Mustakis. I think he's similar to Frazier where he falls into really prolonged, annoying slumps, but doesn't have the home run and um, – stolen base upside that Todd Frazier does. So, I would trade Mustakis, the hot Moustakis right now for Todd Frazier.
0: I don't disagree with that trade offer. I mean, I think that's I think that would be a nice profit for the guy that drafted Mustakis. I do expect Mustakis to exceed his draft value, but I mean, Frazier's a guy that can go 35-15. And I think we both expect the average to come up from where it was last year, where it was like 220 or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, now um, I don't know. I think he might he might be a two, sub-230 uh, hitter now. I don't know, man. No. Infield, I, I, the infield fly balls, it's a real problem.
0: No, I know that. I, I know it is. But, um, you know, he – I mean, we're talking about a guy that reached his average floor last year, right? Like for his career, he's been, you know, either like a 270 guy or like a 240 guy or last year, like a 220 guy. So like his true talent is probably about 240. Yeah. Um, And we just saw the downside of that last year. So, I mean, if he's 240, 35, 15, (laughs) you know, that's That's money. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, really good. So, uh, no, I do not have an issue with trading Moustakis for Frazier. I agree with you that I think Frazier is a nice buy-low candidate early in the year because – and once he gets going, I mean, it's yeah, like six weeks of just complete (laughs) domination. And then you sell him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Last year year when I had him in the first half and he was leading the league in home runs, I was – in, like, June, I was like, I'm going to let him keep going, let him keep going, and I'm going to sell him right before the All-Star break because he's going to suck in the second half. But, to my surprise, everyone knew that already. I thought I was, like, yeah. outsmarting everyone. Everyone's like, no. Well, that was the, really that was,
0: I mean, that was, like, what we said about Richards and we said it about Zimmerman, too. I mean, you know, everybody <laughs> everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you know it's 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 easy to say sell this guy but sometimes you can't find a buyer yeah (laughs) all right my next buy low guy is dj lemayu um Mm. he's hitting in the 180s right now uh to start the year and that's a dead giveaway that he's you know a guy that's got some bad had some bad luck. The walk rate and the K the K rate are not issues. Uh, I think he's at eight percent for the walk rate, fourteen percent for the K rate. Um, he plays half his games in Coors Field. That one ninety two BABIP is not going to stick. It's not even going to be anywhere close to that. Uh, he's going to be a guy with three hundred plus BABIP before the year's done. Um, the ground balls are are near sixty percent, so I don't know that the power outbreak is coming, Nick, but. <laughs> He's definitely a guy to buy from a frustrated owner. Um, actually, I would say that about any struggling Rocky. Cargo story, etc. They're all buys because that offense hasn't found uh, yep. its legs yet. But they play their games in cores, and that's you know easy money.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I was surprised you had LeMay on here because. Um you know, anytime I bring him up, brought him up, you're like, "All right, enough with LeMayu, because I love LeMayu, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, huge, huge by low guy, without a doubt. I love him. I think he's a rare guy who, when all said and done, could finish as a career 300 plus average hitter. Uh, he's that good. The contact pro- profile is that nice. He hits everybody, he hits everything in out of the zone. Doesn't matter. You could throw anything at him, and he could, you know, turn it up the middle for a single or go oppo. So. I I absolutely love him. Do you uh, have a trade scenario for uh, LeMayu?
0: I actually did not um, prepare one, but why don't you go and let me think of one while you speak, and I'll chime in with it once I think of it.
1: Okay. Um, All right. So my next buy low, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, So McCutcheon last year, interesting year he had. Uh, I owned him. I traded for him in the second half after he, quote unquote, struggled in the first half. When you look, I got at, it. Okay, Justin go ahead. Pedroia. Pedroia. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, it's good. I don't know if the Lemayu owner would would bite. Pedroia is, Pedroia is a tough sell for people. I feel like it's tough because people just think you know, oh, he's older, injury. It might it might be a tough sell, Javier Baez. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good,
0: especially because he's he's been playing a lot. But yeah. okay, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you.
1: I like that a lot though. That that Baez Baez deal is nice. Um, so yeah, for for McCutcheon, you know, like I said, I bought him last year after his quote unquote bad first half and uh, his struggles, but he really wasn't that bad last year. He just wasn't. As good as he's been. Um, so, you know, end of the day, last season, 24 home runs, six steals, 256 average. Uh, I, I think we all think he has major upside as far as average goes, and he's off to a slow start. The team is good. The whole team's just kind of like been in a funk. I like the idea of going out and buying McCutcheon right away. He's been on the slide the last couple of years too. So the guy who went out and drafted him, we know someone that went out and drafted him that's already like, oh my God, Andrew McCutcheon stinks. Why did I take him? And you may get that a lot. So I think this is a good good opportunity to go out and buy. And I think a good guy to offer right now is maybe a Marcel Ozuna. Uh, He's off to a really good start and is a guy that, the mystery Somebody, box. The, he's the mystery box. And people who drafted him, most people who drafted him said, oh, wow, look at this guy. He could possibly you know, hit 30 bombs and give me a good average and steal a couple of bags and do all these types of good things. And he, so far, he's done it. So this may be a good opportunity to go out and, and just shop him. But I like shopping him from McCutcheon. I think McCutcheon is a really good – uh, guy to eye if you have Ozuna.
0: I'm actually going to disagree with you here. I, I'm not looking to buy McCutcheon low. Wow, um,
1: I'm surprised not. I'm kind of, I'm kind of out. To yeah. be honest he, with you, I, he I looks think, lost. But it's Pat. It's 31 at bats.
0: I know, I know. It's third, but it's not 31 at bats. It's progressive. A large at-bats. portion of last year. Yep. and the first half of the year before, yep. and the WBC, and now. And um, stolen
1: bases yeah. are gone.
0: And the bases are gone. So, I mean, your your best case is what, like 25-10 to 85? Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, but that's your best case? Like, I, I don't know.
1: You So you're telling um, me right now, going for, forward, you'd rather have Marcelo Zuna? Maybe, I
0: don't know. I don't know that I would <laughs> rather. Okay. But I will say this: it's it says a lot that I have to pause and yeah. think about it.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised. Um, I thought I thought you would so, be like totally in on this.
0: No, and I and I actually really like Ozuna, so it's very close for me. I've been trying to get Ozuna in a couple of different places, so. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I just think that McCutcheon is a guy that I'm willing to let somebody else profit profit off of mm. because I don't have the sort of confidence in him that he's going to bounce back to any sort of level that will make me want to own him. Okay. All right, my next guy is Ryan Healy. Um you know, obviously less expensive than McCutcheon, and he wasn't very expensive at draft season. Um, so acquiring him, I think, should be relatively affordable. Uh, he's got a couple of bombs, but otherwise, he's been a frustrating hitter. I know he had a couple of hits tonight, so I think he's hitting close to 190. I have it down as 156. And it shows you what a couple of hits can do for you. Um, but that's the result. That 156 was the result of a 136 Babbitt at that point. Um, So if you can find someone willing to sell or that even drops him, I would aggressively buy. He's got a very, very nice swing. I would like to see a little more patience from him, but he's a young guy. I think that will come. Um, But I think even if he is just what he is right now, I think it's like a 25 homer bat with a 275 average uh, hitting three in – um, not a great lineup, but a lineup that's good enough that, you know, you're looking at 85 RBIs to go along with those 25 bombs and a 275 average. So uh, I like Ryan Healy a lot. As for a guy I would offer for him, uh, you know, this is going to be deeper formats. But, I mean, if I'm, if I'm the guy that has Travis Shaw right now, I'm all over Ryan Healy. I'm like, goodbye, Travis Shaw, even though I like <laughs> Travis Shaw. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, Lucas Duda is another guy uh, I like, but I would be willing to give up to own Ryan Healy because I think there's a lot of upside with Healy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I like Healy as well. I was surprised to see that he's still owned in 76 percent of Yahoo leagues. I really thought that, you know, with his limited sample so far and what he's done this season, I mean, where and where he's gone, you know, ADP in most drafts. I thought that number would be a lot lower, so he got a
0: lot of he got a lot of helium from analysts.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. He was a lot
0: um, of he was like everybody's favorite sleeper. So yeah, that's him, him and
1: Zach Davies, him and Zach Davies got a lot of helium this year. Those two guys as sleepers, but what I would do, what I would do with two Healy, guys I like. yeah, what I would do with Healy if if he he was on my radar, is I would maybe like wait another week. I have a feeling that with one more. Week of bad play, that seventy-six percent could look like fifty-two percent, and he may be available on your waiver wires, um, or you go out and you know look at the guy who owns Healy, recognize what what, what kind of weaknesses he has, and you know if he needs steals, offer him someone like Dyson. If he needs uh, home runs, offer him something like Mark Reynolds, Chris Carter. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I like the idea of getting getting Healy now or in the next week.
0: Okay. Why don't you give us your next one?
1: All right. My next one, Hanley Ramirez. Um, so it's still really early in the season for a guy like Hanley. I mean, this is a guy that went pretty high uh, in most drafts. So I, I don't know if people will be rushing to sell, but there are people... That who who drafted him, who in the back of the heads are very worried about injuries. And yeah, he's hasn't been injured, but he has missed some time due to a flu already. And when he has played, he has not been good at all. I mean, he has zero RBIs in the season. He has zero home runs, zero stolen bases. He's batting two fifty right now. Um, and You know, Boston's kind of been, eh, so far, a lot of those players. A lot of guys have missed time. The lineup has been shaky. You've got Pablo Sandoval is like their best offensive player right now. Um, So I would go out and see what you can get for Hanley because I was huge on Hanley Ramirez pre-draft. I tried to keep it a secret, and I was going to try and take him before Pat, but he went before both of us could have a shot at him. I think at the end of the day, you're looking at a guy who's going to Do what he did last year, which is hit 30 home runs, steal close to 10 bases, and have a really nice amount of RBIs because of the people who are in front of him. So go out and buy Hanley right away. And here's my trade scenario. And I also think Pat's going to have an issue with this. But go out and trade Brandon Belt. If you got Belt, go out and try and get Hanley Ramirez. Belt's off to a pretty good start. And... Hanley is not. And I don't think Belt went that far, you know, that much higher. There are still some people who are high on Belt. Analysts are always high on Belt year after year. So I like that trade scenario.
0: I don't have an issue with the trade, um, to your surprise. Um, although I am a big fan of Belt, and I'm one of those analysts that are very high on him. Um, I think that Hanley provides more upside, uh, you know, Hanley's a guy that can hit for a similar or better average than Belt. Um, probably will hit for more power. We will steal more bases and um, you know, belt's not the picture of health either. So uh, I don't mind that offer at all. Um, in fact, I think you probably need to shoot a little higher. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that Hanley is a guy that I would go out and buy in a, in a heartbeat. Um, you know, there's still a lot of talent in that Boston lineup. Uh, the flu has maybe masked that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you can get somebody that's, you know, looking at Hanley and being like, what the hell is going on? Why can't I – like, you know, people get frustrated that they, that guys don't go on the DL too. Like, so <laughs> I, I think that Hanley's a definite buy low. I, I like it a lot. Uh, he's a guy that, yeah, can hit 280, 25 bombs, 10 steals. And I know I just said that that stinks when I was talking about McCutcheon, but it's a lot different when it's at first base. Um, You know, that speed component counts for a lot. And it also counts for a lot that he's in Boston's lineup as opposed to the Pirates. Yeah. Okay. My last one is Dexter Fowler. Um, I, and I, and I want to start this off by saying that I, I think that the Cardinals offensive situation, I think we saw it a little bit today uh, with Piscotty's big day is somewhat similar to what I said about the Rockies and that, the Cardinals are going to figure it out. There's a lot of offensive talent on that team. And I think Fowler is the big time beneficiary of that. Um, You know, he's going to be hitting at the top of the lineup. He's a guy with a track record as a 270 hitter with a very healthy walk rate, very good OBP that can score a lot of runs. He'll steal your double digit bags. He'll hit double digit power. Um, So I, I think he's a nice guy to go out and buy. That's going to end up the year as like a solid outfielder three, who you can probably get for like a outfielder five price right now. Um, you know, if you go and take a, a hot starter from your bench and offer, the, offer it to the foul or owner, they might just take it because of how abysmal the Cardinals have looked. Um, I'm trying to think of a name off the top of my head. Um, let's say I own, Brett Gardner. I would I would definitely offer Brett Gardner for Dexter Fowler. And Gardner's stolen the five bases, and he's hitting at the top of the Yankees lineup. But I think I would definitely make that swap.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely would as well. I'm not sure if the person who took Dexter would would trade him for Gardner just yet. But I, I do agree with you on Fowler. We both always liked Fowler. I owned Fowler multiple years how could you not like him? He gets on base. He's in a good lineup. That lineup struggled mightily. Everything you said is correct. I'm not going to add much more except that I completely agree. And I love Fowler. Um, my last guy is Masahiro Tanaka, who is a great buy low right now because people are really panicking. It's been two really bad starts. Um, the last start though at Baltimore. Baltimore's been on a tear. Everybody's hitting the ball on that on, on, on that team right now. Uh, and Tanaka's been walking guys. I mean, yeah, that could be... It, it, you know, if you're playing in a league with guys who kind of like know their shit and, th- you know, the guy that owns Tanaka sees the walks, he might be getting scared because we all know what, you know, bad command, bad control can lead to injury. Um, so... I think I and I and I just I, I don't know. I think Tanaka hasn't looked that bad. The first start, he got batted around. He threw a bunch of hangers, but it was it was against Tampa Bay. It was the first start of the season. Let's let's eighty-six that for a second. Okay, the start at Baltimore. It was really cold that night. <laughs> it was. I'm trying to think of every excuse in the book. It was a little cold that <laughs> night. Uh, Tanaka didn't look so good. No, but seriously, like was it know, in
0: Baltimore? It,
1: it it was in Baltimore. Yeah
0: he had some bad seafood
1: yeah he had some bad crabs uh, <laughs> at the harbor you know no but listen he's gonna bounce back he's gonna be great there's there's no evidence whatsoever of injury right now and the guy who owns him is probably panicking and thinking that there is injury around the corner and that maybe you know tanaka is just not as good as he thought he was because he did go high this a lot higher this year than he ever has adp wise So I like the idea of going out and trading Matt Harvey for Tanaka right now. Matt Harvey's off to a good start. Matt Harvey has the real significant uh, uh, injury risk. And I would trade Matt Harvey for God himself, Masahiro Tanaka. And I apologize for that terrible analysis, by the way. But he, he, he looked better. That's all I'm saying. Tanaka looked better than his numbers show. (laughs)
0: I do not like the trade. I I think that Harvey is still a little discounted in the eyes of most people because of the velocity issue from spring training, which he's been able to correct. Um, But I do like Tanaka as a buy low. When you had him, um, he was the first guy that jumped off the page to me. The velocity is up the control and the command are a little concerning but i've got faith that he can figure it out he's never been a walks guy before i i think that he'll get the control and even if he loses a little bit of command i think the velocity gain will more than make up for it so i'm definitely buying tanaka the name I was going to throw at you is the same name that I used um, earlier tonight. It was like, what about Keuchel?
1: Yeah, that's a good offer. Keuchel's, Keuchel's just a really good sell high right now in general. And,
0: and you know what? And I just want to say, like, I know we said this last week. I really liked the way Keuchel looked last week. Yeah. Like, I've got, I've got a lot of confidence he's going to be good. But that makes me think that everybody else is thinking that as well. And that means that I can get a guy with a higher ceiling, yes, um, for him, because yep. I don't think that he's going to reach 2015 again.
1: Yeah, if Do, if you, I ha- you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. If I have, if I somehow have Keuchel and let's just say Drew Pomeranz, I'm praying that Pomeranz goes out and throws a really good start his next outing, because I'm packaging them both for a starting pitcher upgrade.
0: Okay. all right let's uh let's claim to be right and wrong about something at this point at least something that we're confident that we're right and wrong about and i'll kick it off people i was completely right about byron buxton 100 (laughs) percent. oh man buxton has become this year's Carlos gomez
1: Uh, worse It,
0: it is his at-bats are must watch um and you know i even feel bad saying that because i don't want to root for somebody to fail i don't want to enjoy somebody's failures but i said it before the season started that the contact is the issue i don't care about how hard you hit the ball i don't care about the tools i don't care about the pedigree if you can't make contact then you can't play Uh, buxton has never shown the ability to adjust um, and there are multiple adjustments that he has to make aside, even aside from improving his contact, he's got to hit the ball on the ground more than he hits it on the air. Because even though some people dream on his power, I mean, he's a guy that might top out at 25 homers in his best season. Um, so he's a guy that should hit the ball on the ground, take advantage of the fact that he's one of the fastest guys in the league. That'll help us bab it. Um. The other issue with Buxton is, is that, um, you know, he was going so high during draft season. I mean, he was going as a starting outfielder. He was going within the top 36. So, I mean, I wouldn't even have had an issue with him if he was going five, 10 outfield spots later. And he was a bench guy where you were betting on the upside, you know, like you were, he was your first guy off the bench. And if he, cashed. It would have been huge cash. But mm-hmm. now he's now he's to the point where he's I, I feel like there are murmurings that he's going to be sent down. And it's not even mid-April.
1: <laughs> he's looked so bad.
0: I mean, could he? I mean, he was on the bench today. Could he turn it around? Yeah. But it's going to take a massive overhaul. And going long, dynasty leagues, uh, I love Buxton as a buy low. Because he still has immense potential. But this year in redraft, in limited keeper leagues, I'm sorry, guys. I think you bought a total lemon.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if he gets sent down just yet just because he's so good defensively. Um, But
0: he's got – Well, they need to put him like eighth or ninth because – yeah. there I mean that, that whole batting third experiment no, they, didn't help anything.
1: yeah and they need to do that as soon as possible. The guy needs to get some pressure you know off of him right now put him at the end of the lineup give him you know two you know three bat three at bats a game let him figure it out at the nine spot and let's see what he could do but listen uh, I, yes you were right about him so far. But the 56.7% K rate is going to come down. It's impossible. Oh, you're sure
0: because to you told me the 30% K rate was coming down.
1: I know, I know, I know. But listen, <laughs> this is, this is a crazy. better average. This is crazy. Batting 69 right now. Giggity. But he's batting 69 right now. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, there's not much more to add. But if he – um, I don't know. I, I, I like him as a by right now. I like him as a by Yeah, I don't there.
0: even mind him as a by like, yeah, I mean, if you want yes, to train right. your last guy to take the shot that he figures it out in the next, you know, four months, I'm perfectly okay with that, too. My issue is the fact that there were people that were taking this guy inside the top 30 outfielders.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I was wrong about Buxton so far. I, I, I liked Buxton. This is, he's making me look really bad. Um. So my first guy that I think I'm wrong about is Zach Granke. Uh, Granky looks pretty, pretty, pretty damn good so far. He looks pretty sharp. And when we talk, spoke about him last, basically, when you look at his year-to-year stats, they're so inconsistent. It's like good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year since, like, 1994, whenever he came into the league, whenever it was. Um, but... Yeah, he's changed up his pitch mix a little bit. It looks like you know last year was pretty bad, um, but he uh, he's throwing the change more, and that's worked really well for him in the past. He's using the slider primarily as a strikeout pitch, which is a really good idea. And I don't know, I, I the way he looked the other night, I, I, I kind of think that he could continue what he's doing. He just looked really composed, and for the price that you paid for him, which was I mean, what was his ADP this year like? Close to 100 in that 100-ish area?
0: Yeah, he was going in the same area as, like, Meta. So.
1: I don't know. I, I, I think you, you've got a guy here that you could get a major return in value from, especially when you look at the climate of pitching right now and those guys in that 100-ish area and, like, where they all are because a lot of those guys are struggling right now. So I think as of right now, I've been wrong on Granky, and I think he's going to continue it.
0: You know, last week I said, I was concerned about him. Uh, My concerns have been eased somewhat by his performance. Um, in his opening start, he looked like he needed every trick in his book to wiggle his way through that outing. Uh, in his second start, he looked like he was much more in control. Um, he didn't look like the velo as much was as much of an issue. And that's something that's improved over the course of spring training. So maybe there was a little something going on, maybe a little bit of dead arm and it's started to come out of it. Um, I, I think that Greinke is going to not return a profit for where he was drafted, but I think he'll return that value. I think he'll be a top 30 starting pitcher. Um, if I can buy him for less than that, I would, but I don't think you're going to be able to buy him at cost from somebody that owns him, especially right now. I mean, maybe if he comes, maybe if he goes out and gets bombed next week, you can. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to, you know, are you going to feel confident at that point though? Are you going to turn around now and say, all right, he's had one good start, one mediocre start and one really bad start and say, and I still love Zach Granke. uh I,
1: I, I don't. You know what? I I watched the Cleveland game, and he just made a lot of those guys look stupid. And they were at Chase, and nobody could touch him. He didn't walk a guy. He was just like on fuego. So I don't know. That start. It was really just that start. I looked at, and I was like, "Wow, Granky looks to be like back in his old form." And I don't know. I, I think I would, I would. think if, if he had a bad start, his next start, I would go out and really try and buy him.
0: Okay. I mean, I I have warmed to the idea that he can be a quality arm, um, a quality starting pitcher. Uh, some of my fears have been allayed, but I'm not trying to go out and actively buy him. A pitcher I was wrong on in the other direction, I, I think, is Matt Shoemaker. Um, to this point, the K's have not been there. The homers are back. And he just doesn't look like he has the same command that he does last year. Uh, opposing batters are swinging less. And that helps explain the decline in strikeouts and the uptick in his walk rate. I'm not giving up entirely. I'm not positive that I'm wrong. Um, I, I think I am at this point, though. I'm very worried. And to me, more and more every day, he's looking like Mike Fires, which is a guy with a bad fastball that gets on insane hot streaks and then is also atrocious for long stretches of time.
1: Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I kind of – I wasn't – let me just say this. I wasn't as high on Shoemaker as you at all. I didn't hate him, but I just wasn't as high as him. Um, and then I up tonight, I'm like, you know what, let me just take a look at his stats just to see if he's a bad first half pitcher. And he's a really bad first half pitcher and a really good second half pitcher on the career. First half of baseball, 4.69 ERA, second half, 2.63. And this is what we seen last year too. He was really good. Um, so I don't know, maybe wait until June, early July when he's struggling and go out and buy him because evidence shows that he's been a really, really good second-half pitcher throughout his entire career.
0: It's an interesting point. I had not um, looked at that split. I, part of the reason why I would not look at that split is just because I don't
1: – Yeah.
0: I don't really buy into first and second-half splits. I think they're kind and of it's a, it's,
1: a, it's a pretty large sample. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. It's pretty – Okay. You know, it's there.
0: All right, fair enough. I will. I will take a look at it. Okay, so why don't you tell us who you
1: think you've been right on? Yeah, and this is not like going out on a ledge here at all. Uh, This is a pretty, you know, a guy that a lot of people thought was good. I mean, it's like, you know, if I said Mike Trout is going to be good, oh, I'm right about Mike Trout. Uh, (laughs) But no, you know, what I said about Chris Archer was that I think that he's going to take the next step and he's going to really. Um, evolve into one of the best pitchers in baseball based on his stuff. I've always been a huge fan of Archer, a huge fan of obviously the K-rate, uh, but he does have those blow up starts. Sometimes he goes out and he looks lost, but he's looked really, really, really good this year so far. Um, and it's been you know against some you know two really good teams in the Yankees and Toronto. Um, you know the issue with Chris Archer last year was inconsistency. And getting lost, not game to game, but in the middle of games, where he would basically throw like four really good innings of no hit ball, strike out six guys in those four innings, and the fifth inning comes and walk, walk, hit, strike out, strike out, hit, two run score. Like it's kind of like you know he just loses it, um, and I don't know. This year I haven't seen it that much at all. He just looks. Extremely composed on the mound, and he doesn't look as explosive as he used to. You know, last season, you I, I feel like you see, you saw him use a lot of emotion out there, and it seems like he's just calmed, more calmed. I don't know. His demeanor just looks a lot different. I watched a lot of Archer last year because I wanted to trade for him, like, all season because of the K rate. Um, and I can say that he just looks like a different pitcher out there, and he's ex- still extremely young and – and no one will argue about his upside as far as K's go, and and every, and everything else goes because the mix is so good. The breaking stuff is that good, and I don't know. If he puts it all together, I think he could easily be a top-five pitcher in all of baseball in the next couple of years. And I think this year is where he takes the big step into now he's going to be talking about next year. All right, do I take him or do I take Verlander or Cueto? Now he's going to take that next step with those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've watched Archer, and I, I agree with you that he's he does look a little bit more under control. And part of what has always been appealing about Archer is that sort of bulldog, fiery mentality yeah. that he to have on the mound. But I agree with you that it, it could have been a detriment to him. I don't know that I'm ready to declare, um, you know, him as a, you know, elite top level ace at this point after um, two starts. I, I, I just, he doesn't have the third pitch and he's a guy that has been streaky before. Um, You know, we saw it last year too. He had that really bad first half and then, was much better in the second half. Uh, I mean, you know, I am optimistic, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that he's experiencing that next big step in his evolution. Can he be a top 20 starting pitcher? Can he be a top 15 starting pitcher? Yeah. I don't know about a top 10 starting pitcher though at this point.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: All right. So let's wrap up tonight with, uh, Our DFS plays for the weekend. We're going to give you two hitters and a pitcher for each day that we like, uh, one of which will be um, on the cheaper side. On Saturday, I like Robinson Cano, who is at home against Dylan G and Texas. Mm. Uh, My inexpensive player is Steve Pierce going up against – jason aquino oh of baltimore at home uh jason aquino is a lefty by the way and i'm sure he's a wonderful person but i've never heard of him in my life (laughs) so i feel like the righties on toronto in general are a great play and my starting pitcher is where i'm probably going to be spending uh a bit of money because I like Lance McCullers a lot at Oakland. Uh, Oakland is a team with some strikeout issues. Uh, McCullers is a strikeout machine, and I think Oakland is a very forgiving ballpark. So when the ball is put in play, he might benefit from the confines that he's in.
1: Yeah, I'm with it. I I like all those. Uh, for, For me, Saturday, the number one guy, without a doubt, you must play him is Stephen Piscotty against CC Sabathia. Um, Sabathia, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Piscotty is really good against lefties. CC right now is throwing 89 mile per hour fastballs and hanging breaking balls left and right. I don't know how his ERA is not, you know, 5.50, but that's going to happen very, very soon, and you can bank on that. Um, the Cardinals have kind of, like, been struggling. But I think, and Pat said it earlier, you know, pre-podcast, that Carpenter and Piscati are starting to come around. Uh, and I think that Sabathia is, like, a gift to that lineup. And they're going to all come around that night. It's going to be a disaster for the Yankees. So <laughs> plug, plug Piscati and He's still pretty cheap uh, on DraftKings. Uh, next guy, I like, Adu- Adubel Herrera, also pretty cheap on DraftKings still. Uh, he has a seven. He's seventh, uh seven for 15 lifetime with a 1.56 ops versus tanner Roak. that's what they're playing um he's also and i don't know cheap. if he's
0: still i don't know if he's still eligible there but at the start of the season for some reason he's been eligible at second base I yeah i don't throw know that in there
1: that's very odd and I don't understand why he's at draftkings is really weird with position eligibility i, I don't know but yeah he, and he'll and he'll be cheap at second second base um, so I, I like him a lot, and then I have Lance McCullers as my guy as well. So, me and Pat are in agreement. I mean, the K's are there right now, he's striking out the world, and that's what matters in DF- for a DFS pitcher. And that's gonna come with not many earned runs because he's playing Oakland, and that lineup just sucks right now. So, except for Chris Davis. So, uh, I think as long as he stays out of home run troubles with that man, he'll be okay.
0: All right, my picks for Sunday. Um... I've got Freddie Freeman going against Jared Kozart at home. I've got Scott Schebler going against Willie Peralta at home. Cool. Schebler, obviously, my sleeper. And then my pitcher is Matt Harvey going against Miami in Miami. Um, I'm hoping that that ballpark can potentially make up for some of Harvey's mistakes. Uh, the Velo has been back. He's looked relatively good so far this year. And Sunday is a very difficult day to find a pitcher that you're going to love. So Harvey is the best combination to me of talent and situation. And that says a lot about the Sunday slate.
1: Yeah, I, I I like the Harvey pick. I just wonder what his price is going to be. I feel like it might be a little steep based on what's out there Sunday. Like he may be more, more, you know, one of the more pricey ones, but that's obviously a, a dream matchup. So I like it. Um, I have Dylan Bundy, even though he's playing uh, Toronto. I think the price will be pretty cheap. It's been pretty cheap on him recently, and he's been awesome, obviously. And the Toronto power hitters have been terrible. So. the way bundy's throwing the ball i think he could be money 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 and for very cheap also i like gerardo parr a lot versus jeff samarja he's 10 for 27 career career lifetime with a 370 average 932 ops uh sits in san fran but i still think that you know he'll produce he's batting. he's been batting fifth and we all know who he's batting behind in arenado and carlos gonzalez uh, and those are my only two for the day. So Sunday is a weird day for DFS. I'm not really crazy about many guys. Saturday is the day where I really, I really like everyone that Pat picked and everyone I picked on Saturday. If you mix them together, you're gonna win.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's gonna wrap up our show for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, check the website. Uh, been a little slow this week because uh, I've been tied up with some other things, but aiming to get three articles a week out. Um, we'll be updating our rankings at some point in the next two weeks as well. And, um, you know, the podcast will be up every single week. We'll be here for you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Nick, where can I find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at NickFWO on Twitter, where I tweet once a month. <laughs> Pat, tw- Pat tweets a lot more than I do.
0: Yeah, I try to. I tried to. Today I was talking about Aaron Judge, who uh, I'm kind of coming around on. Oh, man. Good.
1: Judge Dredd. I am totally coming around on Judge Dredd. He just – when he – every single time he comes up to the plate, I'm just like, all right, he's going to hit a home run because he's just such a monster.
0: Yeah, he's a massive guy. But he's – and, I mean, I the tweet was the best part about his – start isn't the average and it isn't the home runs. It's the fact that the K rate is at 24%. Yep. If he keeps the K rate below 30%, he's a guy that's going to get the at-bats necessary to get himself to 25 and 30 home runs and maybe even more. Yep. So there you go. There's a final fantasy tidbit for you that we didn't even plan on putting in here. Um, thanks a lot for listening, guys. We'll be back next week.
1: See you later.